We just need to pause and thank the Lord for the cross. We never saw Jesus hanging on that cross with our own eyes. But Butch said it well in the song, everything he did, he did for you and he did for me. The cross has your name written right across the heart of Jesus. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Every drop that was shed so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be children of God. Lord, don't ever let us forget to glory, glory in the cross and all that the Son of God did for us. We receive the blessings of the cross today in Jesus' name. Amen. When you came in this morning, you should have received one of these little warfare prayer booklets. If you did not, do not have one, you need one. So I'm going to ask our ushers, there's anybody that does not have one of these little books, would you raise your hand? Anyone, anywhere. Everybody should have one. I believe everybody does, most everybody. Raise it high enough that we'll know. I want you to be able to follow some things that we do. Uh, now I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter of, well, yeah, the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians. We'll be looking at a number of verses, but just open it up to Ephesians. You know, uh, <clears throat> over the years when you've been pastoring for a long time, things that you didn't used to understand as you grow and as you mature and as you pastor, then things you didn't understand, you begin to understand. And one thing I've understood, now y'all need to listen very carefully. One thing I have learned over the years, that when Satan increases his activity, when he, Satan, and his demons raise the level of their attack, it means that God is up to something. It means that God is about to do something in an unusual way. And the enemy knows that. And he tries to discourage you or discourage me or discourage the church. So in many ways, while nobody likes a battle and nobody likes to fight the spiritual battle, in many ways, it ought to encourage us. But wait, if the enemy is up, stirred up and upset, God is up to something. And God is going to do something only we know, only God knows exactly what it is, but he knows and we can trust him. The last month, for no reason other than that God is up to something, I have been under tremendous uh, spiritual attack. Not from any person, don't read anything into that, but just in my mind and my emotions and all around me, I'm telling you, it's like that all of a sudden an onslaught of the enemy came. But I began to realize, but wait a minute, that means that God is going to do something unusual in individuals' lives and in our church. So while I don't enjoy the battle, I enjoy the fact that I know that God is up to something. Now, what, while we fight a battle corporately as a body of believers, the church, we also fight spiritual battles personally. And you've got to understand that a lot of your battles come just from the world system that we live in that is not godly. This is not a godly world. And a lot of our battles come from the world system. 
Some of our battles come from our own flesh. That part of us, even though the old nature was put to death and we're new creations, we're still having to battle that hangover of the flesh and the flesh fights against the spirit. So some of our battles come not from the world system but from the flesh. But also, a third of the angels fell when Satan was cast out of heaven. And there's demonic activity all around us every day. And oftentimes, while a demon can never ever possess or inhabit a Christian, they will oppress us. They will oppress us. They will oppress you to keep you from being what God wants you to be. Now, you've got to understand, when you talk about spiritual warfare, people get uncomfortable. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to be uncomfortable. But you need to understand, well, I've never heard much about that. Well, that's not good. Because it's in the Bible. In Ephesians 6.10, just listen to these words. You don't need to look at that unless you're already there. Just listen to these words. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the strategies of the devil. And then he went on to say, we're in a hand-to-hand conflict. Now listen to what he says. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our enemies are not people. It may be the demonic spirit behind that person, but still... Our enemies are not people. We are not wrestling with flesh and blood. We are wrestling with principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world against a host of spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So you've got to understand that spiritual warfare is real. Now what I want to do today is this. I want to take just a brief few moments And show you in in Ephesians how God has already equipped us to win the victory in our spiritual warfare. The victory has already been won by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's won. Jesus said it is finished and it is finished. Satan is not yet in hell. He will be. Probably quicker than we realize. But you understand until he is in hell and his demons with him that we will be engaged in serious spiritual warfare. And so therefore, in Ephesians, it tells us how we have victory in spiritual warfare. Then I want to take this little booklet and take the warfare prayer personal and just go through it with you and show you how it can help you as you fight your spiritual battle. Now, in Ephesians, we find three tremendous truths. First of all, I'm going to use these three words that I've used before and you're familiar with. There's the word sit. And that talks about our position in Christ. See, you will never know how to fight spiritually until you know who you are in Jesus. And and, and once you know that you are in Christ and Christ is in you, once you know your identity in Christ, and once you know you're seated with Christ in a place of authority, that gives you the confidence to do spiritual warfare. And so the word sit... That is our power, our authority, and our position in Christ. Then the second word that I want to show you is the word walk. And that is our daily lifestyle in Jesus. It's the way we live every day. If we know who we are in Christ and we look not to our power but his power, then Christ in us gives us the power to walk. 
We can live the Christian life, not in our power, but in the power of the Son of God. And I'm telling you, when you're walking uh, in obedience, then you have authority that operates in and through your life. And then the third word is the word stand. How that we stand against the enemy that would oppress us and keep us from being what God wants us to be. And look in Ephesians chapter 1 now. And I want you to look at about verse, uh, I think it's about verse uh, 15. Now I want you to see where Christ is right now. I want you to see the authority and position of Jesus. Where is Christ? He lives in us by his spirit. But what is his position and what is the authority of the Son of God? All right, verse 17. Paul is praying that you and I will understand that Jesus is in a place of victory. That Jesus is in a place of authority. That Jesus is in a place of, uh, of, of victory over the enemy. So he begins saying in verse 17, he prays this for us. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you, that's you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I want God to open your eyes so you'll know God and you'll know Jesus. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You may know the hope of his calling. Why did God save you? What was his purpose? And what are the riches of his glory, his inheritance in the saints? Verse 19, if you ever realize this, it'll absolutely change the way you face life and the way you face temptation. Listen to what he says. I'm praying that you'll know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. You know what Paul prayed to those Ephesians? I want you to know how great God's power is toward you. You see, we, we say, well, I'm no match for the world system, the flesh of the devil. God never said you were. But he said, I just want you to understand how great God's power is toward you and in you. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the work of his mighty power. Now, where does this power that is ours come from? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him, sit, at his right hand in heavenly places. He said, God has given you exceedingly great power. It is the same spiritual power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Now look at the place of authority. It says in verse 21. It says, seated him at his right hand, far above all principality. I mean, that's demonic activity. Far above all principality and power, might and dominion. Above every name that is, is named. Here Jesus at his right hand with authority over every principality, every power, every might, every dominion, every name that has been named. Not only in this age, but in the age to come that we're living right now. Are you ready? He put all things under his feet. Do you understand that Satan is under the feet of Jesus? 
Every demonic spirit is under the feet of Jesus. You say, well, why are they still active? Because it's not over yet. The battle's not finished. And they have not been finally locked up in hell for eternity. But I want to tell you, they are under the feet of Jesus. He has authority over Satan and every demonic spirit in this world. It says he put everything under his feet. Why? For the church. For you and me. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of all who fills us all. Ed spent all morning saying, look, we're the church. We're not a club. We're the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And he's seated in heavenly places. And he has awesome power. And he has given that power to his children, to his church. Now look over in Ephesians, the second chapter. And I want you to notice verse 1. You he made alive. That's you and I who are in Christ. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Look down at verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Now just let that sink in. God is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved you. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Look at verse 6. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're a child of God, you know where you are right now? You say, I know where I'm at. I'm sitting here in church. But you know where you are spiritually? Right now, you are in Christ. And you're seated with him positionally at the right hand of the Father. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. And so, therefore, everything that is under Jesus' feet is under our feet because we are seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 3 says, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So our victory, our power, our authority in the spiritual battle is in Christ and his victory. And we're seated with him in a place of authority and his authority is our authority. Now, the second thing you see in Ephesians is because of who we are in Christ, we're supposed to walk as Christians. First of all, he tells us uh, in chapter 4, verse 1, just follow me real quickly. He says to walk worthy. Notice he says, now since you're in Christ and you're seated with him in a place of victory, he says in 4.1, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy. Live like a Christian. That's all he says. Just live like a Christian. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Look down in verse 17 of chapter 4. He says, don't walk, walk the way the pagans walk. Don't walk like the ungodly walk. He says in verse 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord, you no longer walk like the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their mind. He says, you're saved, so you, you, you're going to walk, you're going to live a life worthy of the name of Jesus, and you're not going to walk like the pagans walk. Then he says in chapter 5, verse 2, look at this. Man, th- this sums it up. He says, well, walk in love. Just walk in love. I love it. He says in verse 2, uh, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling savor. Because we're seated with Christ in victory and authority, Christ lives in us. We're to walk worthy. We're to walk not like the ungodly. We're to walk in love. Look at verse 8. He says, man, 
we're to walk in the light. We're not to walk in darkness. Look at Ephesians 5.8. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Man, here's the Christian life. We're walking worthy of, of, of the name Jesus, and we're not walking like ungodly. We're not living ungodly lives, and we're walking in love, and we're not walking in darkness as believers. We're walking in the light as he is in the light. And then he said, t- says to us, walk carefully. Look down at verse 15 of chapter 5. See that you walk carefully, not as a fool, but as wise. And then he says, walk in the spirit. Look at verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is riot, but be filled, be filled with the spirit. I love Galatians 5, 16. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5, 13. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. So sit our position, our victory, our authority in Christ, walk our lifestyle in Christ. And out of a life of obedience, that spiritual power and authority becomes ours. And then finally he says, stand, S-T-A-N-D. Look at chapter five, chapter six, in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. You've got to stand against the schemes, the strategies, and the wiles of the devil. Now, folks, I'm just reading the Word of God. I, that makes me uncomfortable, Brother Fred. I don't like that. I understand. But it's real. And that's why many of us are being kicked around like a football. The devil just kicks us around. Demons kick us around like a football. And we just take it and think we've got to take it. No. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the st- devil. Verse 13, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand and having done all, stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, one of the great weapons that we have in spiritual warfare is prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, I think it's verse 18, it says, listen to this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We say, well, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, and it is a a spiritual weapon in warfare. It is. But I'm telling you, one of the greatest weapons we have is prayer. Praying always. He's talking about the armor right there. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. It must have been uh, 25 years ago that I came across a book called The Adversary, written by Mark Bubeck. And in that book, What captured me was the balanced understanding that he had of the world system, the flesh, and the devil. But also in that book were testimonies of how people had been under a spiritual attack. And at age 20, I went under a tremendous spiritual attack from the enemy, did not know what it was, and did not know where to turn. And I just read the Bible and prayed, and after a year... God brought me out on the other side of the most intense battle, my wife would tell you, that a person could ever fight. But then in in the book by Mark Bubeck, he described to the detail the exact battle that I had fought, down to the thoughts and the attitudes. And I said, this man, he he understands. See, I never understood. But here, here was another person who'd been attacked by the enemy in the same exact way. Well, in that book, the adversary by Mark Bubeck, were warfare prayers. And there were a number of them. Not all of them written by him, but written by other people as well. 
And what it is, they're all scriptural. They're all based on the Word of God. In fact, this personal warfare per, uh, prayer is based on sit, walk, and stand. It's based right on the book of Ephesians. I cannot tell you how many times when I was under tremendous enemy attack, I would just read this prayer out loud, and God would give me peace, and God would bring me to a place of where I knew that everything was well and the enemy was on the run. And I want to tell you this. It, it's a powerful, powerful prayer. And so if you'd open your little warfare prayer booklet over to page uh, I just want to walk through it with you and show you how instead of waiting, now stay with me, till the enemy kicks us around like a football, we can take the offensive and we can hit the devil before he hits us. It's an absolute awesome thing. And uh, so I'm going to just take the first paragraph here and I want to just point a couple of things out to you. He says, he begins to worship God. This is a personal warfare prayer. Heavenly Father, I bow and worship and praise before you. I cover myself with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as my protection during this time of prayer. Is it biblical to say, Lord, I cover myself with the blood of Jesus as my protection during this time of prayer? Yes, it is. It says in Revelation, and they overcame the devil by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb. But let me tell you another reason I know it's effective. Because when the death angel was going to pass through Egypt and going to kill the firstborn, what he told the Israelites was, slay the lamb, shed its blood, put it over the doorpost of the house, and every house that that death angel sees, the blood of Christ covering that house, he will pass over and the firstborn. Their protection from the death angel in that time was the covering of the blood of the Lamb, a picture of the coming of the Lamb of God who would shed his blood for us. So, so it's, hey, I cover myself with the blood of, the, of Christ as my protection during this time of prayer. Now, this next statement, I'm telling you all, there's no way you can know how important it is. Listen to what he says. I surrender myself completely and unreservedly in every area of my life to yourself. That's where the major battle is fought. I surrender myself to you, Lord, completely and unreservedly in every area of my life. You know why? Every area of your life that belongs to Jesus, he has authority over. And you have the authority of Jesus there. For example, whatever in your life you surrender to Christ, once you surrender it to him, it's under his authority. And his authority is yours. And you can operate in that authority. But what if there is an area of your life? Well, I'm not going to turn that over to the Lord. I'm not ready to surrender that to the Lord. I'm not ready to give that to the Lord. I'm going to hold on to that. Well, let me tell you what you did. You just left a window open. You left a crack in the door for the enemy to come against you. He cannot come against you if you exercise the authority of Jesus in the area you've surrendered to the Lord. But if there's an area of your life that you have not surrendered to the Lord, the window's open, there's a crack in the door, and through that area that you have not surrendered to the Lord, that's how he can come against you. That's the door he uses to get in and to harass you and often to defeat you. You say, Brother Fred, it's really hard 
to surrender everything to the Lord. Well, why would it be hard? Can, can I ask you, why would it be hard? I'm going to tell you why. It's a trust issue. It is a trust issue. The only reason you would not surrender that area of your life to the Lord is you don't think you can trust Him with it. Lord, I can handle that better than you can. I, I can take care of that. Or it's, it's either a trust issue where you don't believe God can do better than you could with it, or it's an issue that some, it's some sin or something that you love and you're not willing to let go of. You just will not release it to the Lord. Listen, this thing of coming before God in complete surrender as best you know how, and if you're not willing, I say, God, make me willing. See, that's where it all begins. And power in prayer and power in spiritual warfare comes from living in a place of surrender, which means you're under the authority of Christ. Well, what you go on here and you see is this. Look over on the second page, page five, or it's page three, I'm sorry, page three. Notice how what you do in this prayer is confess your identity in Christ. You confess who you are, that you're sitting in Christ. I want you to look down in the middle of uh, the first paragraph on page three. And, and I want you to notice, um, uh, it starts about the fourth sentence down, I am thankful, Heavenly Father. And what, you, what a person does when they're praying this prayer, they start thanking the Father for who they are and for what he's done for them. Now, I, I'm, I'm just going to read it. He says, I thank you, Heavenly Father. You've loved me from past eternity. You sent the Lord Jesus Christ in the world to die as my substitute, that I would be redeemed. I am thankful that the Lord Jesus came as my representative. And through him, you've completely forgiven me. You've given me eternal life. You've given me the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am now justified. I'm thankful that in Christ, you've made me complete. And you've offered yourself to be my help and strength. You know what you just did? You just declared before heaven and earth, before the angels and before God and before every demon from hell. You just declared your identity, and your position in Christ. And I am telling you, God does something in your heart when you confess the truth about what you are in Christ. So what I want us to do is this. Just sitting where you are, you don't have to read it out loud if you don't want to. You can read it silently. You don't even have to read it. You just, you do what God, you just may want to sit there and be in agreement. But I think we need to start right there where it says, I am thankful, Heavenly Father. Those of you who feel comfortable reading out, out loud. I've already told you what we're doing. Some of you read it silently. doesn't matter. But we need to make this confession of our identity in Christ. So I'm beginning to read with I am thankful. Are you ready? Let's go. I am thankful, Heavenly Father, that you have loved me from past eternity. You sent the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to die as my substitute that I would be redeemed. I am thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ Came as, my, came as my representative, and that through him you have completely forgiven me. You have given me eternal life. You have given me the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I am now justified. I am thankful that in him you've made me complete, and you've offered yourself to me to be my daily help and strength. See, what you just did, confess before heaven and earth, this is who I am in Christ, and this is what Christ has done for me. Then you go on down in the next paragraph, and then you not only confess who you are in Christ, 
But you confess the victory that Jesus has won and, and claim it. Look at the uh, third sentence of the second paragraph. I want to read it and I want you to listen to it. Now you just talked about who you are in Christ, what Christ did for you, and how you're completing him. Now it says in the second sentence, I do, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, take my place with Christ in the heavenlies. I'm just by faith taking my place with Christ in the heavenlies. With all principalities and powers, all powers of darkness and wicked spirits under my feet. I am thankful for the victory the Lord Jesus Christ won for me on the cross. And that through his resurrection has been given to me. I am seated with Jesus in the heavenlies. Therefore I declare that all principalities and powers and all wicked spirits are subject to me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, not only have you confessed in that first paragraph, hey, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, Jesus was my representative, I'm complete in him, but now you're saying, I know I'm seated with him, and I claim and I confess his victory as my victory. Now, I'm telling you, then the enemy knows this, and they, have, they listen to this, and they have to recognize this. And so I'm saying to you, it is a power, powerful confession. And so I want us to begin, read it out loud, read it silently, doesn't matter. Let's begin uh, in that third sentence, okay? Read it with me. I do, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, take my place with Christ in the heavenlies, with all principalities and powers, powers of darkness and wicked spirits under my feet. I am thankful for the victory the Lord Jesus Christ won for me on the cross, and that through his resurrection has been given to me, and that I am seated with the Lord Jesus Christ in the heavenlies. Therefore, I declare that all principalities and powers and all wicked spirits are subject to me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, you've confessed, sit, you've confessed who you are in Christ. Then you've stood and you've confessed, hey, I'm seated with Jesus and everything that's under his feet's under my feet. And I'm standing and I'm taking authority over any wicked spirit that would hinder me. Now, look, look at the last paragraph. The Bible says for us to put on the whole armor of God. He tells us to put it on. He says put on the whole armor of God. You know the problem in religion today? Let me tell you the problem. Here's the problem. Most people don't know who the enemy is. And most people don't know what the armor is. And most people don't understand that the Bible said, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And the church goes, a religious world goes through this world powerless with no authority well what's wrong why isn't God's work being done why isn't the kingdom of God coming I'll tell you the kingdom of God will only come as the powers of darkness are pushed back by the children of God and so the enemy just got it got it camouflaged and even now when people start talking about warfare people get well I don't know about that well I'm just telling you it's the truth it's so full of the Word of God, and I guarantee God wants you to walk in victory. And the way of walking in victory is to know who you are in Christ and to exercise His authority. And the enemy has no right to defeat you and destroy you, none, your family. He has no right because you're a child of God. Then he tells us what the armor is. And he talks about the, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. It says, gird your loins with truth, wrap your loins with the truth. Jesus is truth, the Word of God is truth. 
Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the sandals of peace. Put on the helmet of salvation. Lift up the shield of faith against all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take in your hand the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And use your word against the forces of evil in my life. I put on the armor and I live and pray in complete dependence upon you, Holy Spirit. So let's just do that right now. Let's just put on the armor. Just like he said for us to do. All right. Starting with the words, I am thankful. You can say it out loud or you can just do it. So it doesn't matter. You just agree. Do whatever God tells you to do. Are you ready? I am thankful for the armor you have provided. And I put on the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of peace, and the helmet of salvation. I lift up the shield of faith against all the fiery darts of the enemy and take in my hand the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and I use your word against all the forces of evil in my life. I put on this armor and I live and pray in complete dependence upon you, blessed Holy Spirit. Then he goes over on chapter, on page four. I want you to notice the first paragraph. You're standing here in the finished work of Christ. You're standing in his authority. I am grateful, Heavenly Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ spoiled all principalities and powers, made a show of them openly on the cross, triumphed over them himself. I claim all his victory for my life today. Jesus spoiled every principality, every power, every demonic spirit, every, every strong man. He spoiled principalities and powers. He made a public display of them. And so you say, I claim that for my life. I claim his victory for my life today. All right, let, let's read that paragraph together. You ready? I am grateful, Heavenly Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ spoiled all principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphed over them in himself. I claim all his victory for my life today. I reject all the insinuations, the accusations, and the temptations of Satan from my life. Now I want to ask you a question. Is there anything that we prayed or anything that I've said that's not true to the Word of God? I challenge you, is it? I guarantee you every bit of this is supported in the Word of God. And that's why as we operate in the authority of Jesus, we can have a victory in our lives like we've never known. And how we can overcome instead of being overcome. And I guarantee you, if I did not know this, I would not be standing here. I would not be. The enemy would crush me, defeat me, and I would be dust. But see, knowing the authority that is in Christ, I have no authority. I'm not spiritual. Jesus is spiritual. I didn't win the victory. Jesus won the victory. And it's, there are no such things as extraordinary Christians. There are Christians who know who they are in Christ, who depend on the Spirit of God, and enforce the victory that Jesus has already won. All right, we go on. Then he, then he confesses that he believes that the Word of God is true. And he affirms that the Word of God is true and that he wants to live by God's Word. But then the third sentence at the end, I want to show you all something. Open my eyes. Show me vulnerable areas of my life so there will be no ground to give Satan a full hold against me. You know, you know what he just prayed? Lord, would you show me any area of my life where there's a crack in the window or a crack in the door that would get the, the demonic spirit access to my life? 
Just show me, Lord, any area of my life that is vulnerable. That is a great thing to pray. Because, you know, sometimes there are areas of our life where we're vulnerable that we don't understand. But the enemy does. And so we ask God to show him any area and show him, show him every area of weakness. Show me, show me the area of my life I must deal with in order to please you. T- today, in every way, I stand for you in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life. So right down there at the end of the third sentence, start with open my eyes. Let's pray this. Now, this, you, you need to say, God, I want you to do this. If there's any area of my life that gives the enemy access, would you show me? I, don't, I want to close that door. I want to close that door, Lord. Okay, here we go. Open my eyes and show me vulnerable areas of my life so there will be no ground to give Satan a foothold against me. Show me any area of weakness. Show me any area of my life I must deal with in order to please you. Today, in every way, I stand for you and your ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life. Then we get right down to um, a couple of, one area right here about the old nature and the new nature. See, we, we have the old nature in Adam, and it was put to death. It's called the old man. And then we have the new man, the new creation that we are in Christ. And the Bible says right there in Ephesians that you put off, put off the old man with all of its weaknesses, and you put on the new man created by God and true righteousness and holiness. And so what, what, what he's doing in this paragraph right here is saying, I'm putting off the old man that I was in Adam. It's dead, and I'm putting on the new man. And the Bible says in, in Ephesians, put off the old man, put on the new man. And by faith, that's exactly what we're doing. And so uh, r- let's begin right there with by faith and independence on you. Let's just start reading that, all right? This is our prayer. Start, start with me. By faith and independence on you, I put off the old man and stand into all the victory of the crucifixion where the Lord Jesus Christ provided cleansing from the old nature. I put on the new man and stand into the victory of the resurrection and the provision he has made for me there to live above sin. Now listen to this confession. Therefore, come on, on this day, I put off the old nature with its selfishness. I put on the new nature with its love. I put off the old nature with its fear. I put on the new nature with its courage. I put off the old nature with its weakness. I put on the new nature with its strength. I put off today the old nature with all its deceitful lust. And I put on the new nature with all its righteousness and purity. We've got to read that next paragraph, and then I'm going to skip over toward the end. I want you to read that next paragraph out loud. Boy, this is a great confession. Say it, pray it with me. I do, in every way, stand in the victory of the ascension and glorification of the Son of God, where all principalities and powers were made subject to him. I claim my place in Christ, victorious with him over all the enemies of my soul. Blessed Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me, come into my life, break down every idol, and cast out every foe. All right, look at the bottom paragraph on page five. This This is where you really... Get some things accomplished in your life. All these places. But here's where some things come down in your life. This is where some change happens in your life, even as we're doing it this morning. You, you, God's going to do something, I'm telling you. It's because you, you see, you say, I'm going to smash the plan Satan and his demons have against my body. 
And so you, you just absolutely say, okay, you're not, you're not going to defeat me in my body or my soul. And so uh, we're just going to read that. We're going to pray that last paragraph. And I want you to listen to what you're doing, how you're saying, Satan, get your hands off my body, get your hands off my soul. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you're just saying you, you can't do that. I'm, 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 I'm coming against the plans you have against me. All right, we're ready and, uh, with I am thankful, okay? I am thankful, Heavenly Father, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I desire to bring every thought into the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to tear down the strongholds, I say. Therefore, in my own life today, I tear down the strongholds of Satan. I smash the plans of Satan forms against me. I tear down the strongholds of Satan against my mind and surrender my mind to you, blessed Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, you have not given, uh, blessed Holy Spirit, I affirm, Heavenly Father, you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a smash, a sound mind. Now hold it. A lot of times when I'm reading this, praying this, I always put in the name of Jesus before it. So right here where it says, I break, break and smash the strongholds, let's say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I break and smash the strongholds of Satan formed against my emotions. And I give my emotions to you. In the name of Jesus, I smash the strongholds of Satan formed against my will. And I give my will to you and choose to make the right decisions of faith. In the name of Jesus, I smash the strongholds of Satan formed against my body and give my body to you and recognize I am your temple. I rejoice in your mercy and goodness. What you did, you just took the offensive said, get your hands off my body. Get your hands off my emotions. Get your hands off my will. You have no right. I'm a child of God. I'm seated with Jesus in a place of authority. And the blood of Christ is against you. We come down to the last two. Look at that paragraph right there. Let's just read that next to the last paragraph because it just confesses exactly what we want to do. Let's say it. Heavenly Father, I pray now that throughout this day you would quicken me and show me the way Satan is hindering, tempting, lying, counterfeiting, and distorting the truth in my life. Now he's saying, God, show me how Satan is lying to me and counterfeiting. Just make me aware of his strategy. And then he says, uh, all right, next line, enable me. Enable me to be the kind of person that would please you. Enable me to be aggressive in prayer. Enable me to be aggressive mentally and to think your thoughts and to give you the rightful place in my life. And this last paragraph just sums it up. I read this uh, yesterday. I read it again this morning. I remember the time that I was supposed to preach at, in this city at a place. And Ann and I were staying in a motel at that time. We were living outside of Mobile. And I got up, and the oppression was so great. I said to her, I'm not going to be able to go. I said, I can't make it. I said, I have never been so oppressed in my life. And I just remembered that I had in my briefcase a warfare prayer booklet. And I said, wait a minute. And we got out, and I sat there on the couch. And I got it out. And I prayed it word for word. And I'm telling you, it's like heaven opened and it's like the cloud of oppression lifted and the peace and freedom of God came 
And the power to do what God had called me to do was there. You see, I'm telling y'all folks, listen to me. You say, well, I don't know about Brother Fred. I'm going to tell you right now, you're in a battle. Don't you think that everything that happens to you is just circumstances? Don't you think that? You ask God to show you, where's this coming from? And why am I under oppression in this world? You need to be discerning. The Bible says we need the gift of discerning of spirits to know what is going on in our lives spiritually. And if you think the devil is not opposed to Luke 4.18, you, you're living on another planet, I want you to know. Because the devil knows we're committed to the Word of God. He knows that God has absolute freedom to do in this church anything he wants to do. We have no restrictions on God whatsoever. He is welcome here. And Jesus is the head of this church and the Lord of this church. And Jesus will be exalted here. And all the demons of hell cannot stop it. But if you think he likes it, oh no. I guarantee all the forces of darkness, he will come and marshal them to try to defeat us. But he will not. Because we know our position and authority in Jesus. And we will live in, in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that last paragraph, you ready? Again, I now cover myself with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and pray that you, blessed Holy Spirit, would bring all the work of the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the glorification, and a Pentecost into my life today. I surrender myself to you. I refuse to be discouraged. You're the God of all hope. You've proven your power by resurrecting Jesus Christ from the dead. I claim your victory in every way over all satanic forces active in my life. I reject these forces, and I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with thanksgiving, glory to God. And let's give the Lord a hand and praise Him for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, it's good to know that the victory's already been won. And it's good to know that it's our victory in Jesus Christ. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony.